you too. And Maddie? No, no, he's got a, got a mass. Massey's got a massive smile. We know you're here. We know you're here. <coughs> Fantastic. Good, and you're always welcome here. You know that. Uh, before we go, I have a couple of announcements before we go into the Word. First one is, um, we got these little parcels that the ladies have put together, and I believe there's some other ladies as well that are putting them together, and they're soap and toothpaste, and we're just going to pray that God blesses the sister Vita, she's going to the Philippines, is that correct Melanie, Philippines, Um, with gain, and we're just going to pray that people there may receive the gift that some of the ladies have put together, they, they may be blessed with that. Um, and also, I just wanted to. I met someone at the at our church, at our future home, and we're talking about the windows and the kitchens and everything that we're going to put in a container and send it to Papua New Guinea. So I wanted you to start thinking about things you can put in there, like even shoes, like not winter shoes, but more summery shoes and slippers. Anything that you have that you were going to throw out, even furniture, as long as it's reasonable. Um, no holes in it, then it would be good. I'm happy to store it up at our farm, or if not, um, if not store it at your place, and we're going to send a 40-foot container, so there's a lot of things that will go into it. And the main idea on this first one is for Peter's house that was here. So he's going to build a house, and we're going to, if we can, we might even put um, part of the frames of the house there, and um, we'll put in as much stuff as we can in the Windows are the main thing, and doors. And, um, and the kitchen and stuff that is quite expensive there. So if you have furniture and things that you'd like to um, bring or keep, we'd love to, um, love to put it in there and be able to bless them with that because they probably won't have any furniture after they build a house. Um, be lucky to have a table and some chairs. Um, so I'd like to, for us now to pray for that. Also, I have greetings from Oscar. I spoke to him through the, through the week, and he sends his love and greetings and says they had an amazing time in Argentina on the celebrating the 70th anniversary. A lot of people have texted and said, oh, no, we had family that were there longer than that, and it's 70 years, I believe, since Peniel. Is that right? From when Peniel, the Bible school, was founded. And it was purchased. So that's what they were celebrating. So let's, um, let's pray as we are and just ask God to bless the word and also to bless these pastors that are going to the Philippines. Father God, we're truly grateful, Lord, that you are amongst us here today, Lord. We thank you for your presence that's amongst us. We thank you that you've come to join us here today, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for the ladies and men that have put these parcels together. And we pray that you may um, bless them, and as they go forth, that people may feel that they are loved by people on the other side of the world, and that they are loved because we have a unity, and we've been created by the one and only true God, and we have a lot of things in common, Lord. I pray that as the word goes forth, that the seed may be planted in the hearts of many people 
and that that may be the greatest gift that they can receive. We just pray for the whole team, Father, for Vida and for the team of gain that are going there for the medical trip. We pray that people may be feel your healing touch, Lord, that they may be healed by the medicine, by the prayers that they receive, Lord. And we just send them in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for your word this morning, Lord, that what you have prepared for us, Lord, that we may be able to receive it and we may be able to receive it and understand that it comes from you. Father, you truly are a loving and amazing God. And what a beautiful name. It is the name of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. How many of you know Mike Sabo Sr.? Mike Sabo Sr.? Quite a few people. Okay, so Mike Sabo sends um, not only me, but he sends others, I believe, as well. A little quotes every now and then. But I forgot about this, this uh, verse before we go any further. A lot of you also, I believe, you have you Bible on your telephones. And I thought how appropriate the verse of the day is. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And that's amazing, isn't it, if we stop it there. That's a good part of the verse. But then what he says after that, he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now that's a big call, a tough call. It's probably easier to lay down for our children or for those immediate family, even that would be a, a struggle. But for our brothers and sisters... And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And I don't know if he means literally to lay them down, but he definitely talks about laying them down and sacrificing and putting them ahead of ourselves many times, that even that can be challenging. But anyways, I just wanted to share that verse because he would have came up on your, um, on your computer as well, on your telephone. So let's see if I can figure this one out. Oh, yeah. I've got to turn it on first, yeah? Usually the case. Here we are. So this is the quote that Mike Sobo sent me about a month ago. And he says, The most important work you will ever do will be within the walls of your own home. The most important work you will ever do will be within the walls of your own home. And it goes really well with the book that I've been preaching on is Joshua And this will be the last sermon that I'll be sharing, so it's Joshua chapter 24 that we'll be looking into. But I think that we live in a time where um, the home, the value of the home is downplayed. It's not as important anymore. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of broken marriages out there. I don't know if you notice or if you know any close friends, but... Um, in Sunbury, for example, I notice in a couple of our investment properties, the, the most common thing is a single mum that will come and live with her children. And a lot of time it's because she just broke up with her husband. But the pattern is that then after about six, eight months, she, there's another car in the house and she has a partner and a new partner. And that gets repeated and just thousands of thousands of couples that go through that. But the problem in the people that suffer, well, it's not only the relationship between a husband and a wife, but the commitment, but also the children. And what do they see? And the pattern that they see gets repeated time and time again. And most probably they will repeat that as well. 
I remember when we had our training for fostering is they were saying that what we try to do is to break the cycle. So part of our training was to somehow, with God's help, is to break the cycle because what they see is what they do. So children, what they see is what they do. Dr. James Dobson said, um, we must make the salvation of our children our number one priority. Nothing else is more important. And I should have underlined one word here that should stand out. And that should be salvation. Because I know, I know that we all care for our kids and we must make their education of our children the number one priority. We must make their safety the number one priority. We must make... But he's saying that their salvation should be number one priority. And I agree with that. And I mentioned this before, before I even knew that it was his quote or that he said this. So, you know, most, a lot of you have heard of James, Dr. James Dobson. He talks a lot about family and he believes and he talks a lot about it that that's number one priority. And Joshua certainly understood the power of parents as well. And... Uh, we see in chapter 24, he comes close, he's coming to the end of Joshua's life. And Joshua found that it's very important to have now a memorable occasion. So he wanted to have a memorable occasion where people could refer to and could say, we remember, just before Joshua passed away, we remember this, his last talk to us, his last message that he had from God, his last sermon that he had for us. And they could all go back to this point. And in these, in these chapter 24, it's called uh, one of the most famous statements that's been um, quoted and memorised for over 3,000 years. And a lot of you would have it in your, door, in your walls at your home. And, um, but knowing that he's only one step from death... He sounds a call and he wants people to remember God's blessing on the, from the past. So that's in Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 to 13. And then he challenges the people to be faithful to God from verses 14 to verse 27. And in the middle of that is this famous quote that he says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we will unwrap that and we're going to talk a lot about these verses now. And I hope that God can bless you with them as well as he's blessed me. And I believe that there's in, in those words and in the verses leading to them, I find five decisions that we must make if we want our families to serve the Lord with us. And the first one, decision, first decision is, decision number one is to build an appreciative family. To build a family that appreciates everything that God has done for them. And that's exactly what Joshua is doing here first. And he's telling them, in, and he's <clears throat> quoting, I hope you can see that, and he says, And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, and Perizzites, and Canaanites, and Hittites, and Girgashites, the Hevites and the Gebusites, and I gave them into your hands, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you. 
the two kings of the Amorites, it was not by your sword or by your bow I gave you a land on which you had not labored in cities that you had not built and you dwelt in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now vineyards and orchards, we have a tiny little vineyard, we have some fruit trees and I planted them five years ago and the last year I started to get some fruit and it takes a long time and you've got to maintain them. And God is saying, I have given you all this. Imagine you're getting your dream home and he just gives it to you. And you had to do nothing for it. That's what he's saying here. And Joshua is reminding, Joshua wants the people never to forget that they owe everything to God. So if it was given to them, then they owe it to God. I picked up something here. Have you noticed that I kind of went quickly over it and I sent the hornet before you? Has anyone picked that up before? It's only written in the Bible three times about the hornet. And I googled it as you would, right? And what is a hornet? Does anyone know? It's, I know people know that it's one of those American planes, yeah? <laughs> the, the Australians have big wasp. Yeah, big wasp. And there is one that's called the Japanese one, the Japanese hornet. It has the biggest sting of any insect. Bigger than the, than the spider and it's, it's, I think, very close to equal to the bull ant. But I saw on YouTube this guy that got bitten by it and he did it intentionally because that's what he's doing going around. And, and he just could not. He was on the ground. His hand went like this. His whole arm from the back swelled like that. And God is telling the people here that I send the hornet before you, which drove them out before you. Now, there's no way written in the scripture that it's talking about this taking place except here. So it's talking about something that, uh, that took place already. But before it, there's two verses that God is promising them that he's going to have an angel with him, that the angel is going to protect them and that he's going to go ahead of them and also that he's going to send the hornet to go out in front of them and to drive out the nations in front of them. Can you imagine that? You, you're told and people are told and I wish, you know, the Bible says that if, all these things were written there. There wouldn't be enough room in the Bible to write these things down. But imagine story after story where these Israelites are coming up against and these, there's the Amorites and they're going to fight them and the Amorites are waiting and as they're walking, you see them running into the hills screaming for their lives. Could you imagine that sight? And God is saying, I did all that for you. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't just that these hornets just got blown in from the fields that it just took place. It was, I sent them. I told you I'll send them in Deuteronomy. I can see some of you could trying to look up in the scripture, so I'll tell you where those verses are. It's, um, so in Exodus 23, 28, and also Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 20, it says, Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among, among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Until even the survivors, those that hide from you. And apparently in Japan, from this hornet, there's 10 people that die annually. They don't go there to try to get bitten. They're in the bushes, they're in the wild, but 10 people every year die from hornets. Imagine hornets are sent by God, and apparently if you get stung like by two or three or five at the same time, it's lethal, and you can lose your life. 
So Joshua wants the people to never forget that they are everything to God. That God brought them here. It wasn't that, that they did it by their own might. And the question I have is, how much do we owe God? How much did he give us? How much did we accomplish with our own hands? So many times we like to think that we've accomplished a lot ourselves, don't we? And we forget about God, that God's given it to us, and that it all belongs to him, and that we're stewards here, and that we're to look after it. And we say to God, yeah, I'll give you 10%, but the 90 is mine. It belongs to me. It all belongs to him. We're stewards. We're to take care of it and to be able to multiply, to be able to give back to him, to honour him and to whichever way you can honour God. After all, the Israelites' army had one battle after battle. Oftentimes they're routing the enemies from the fields where the enemies would just run, like I said. And sometimes it wasn't by the hornet. It was just that they would run for their lives because they would start to get defeated. And they'd have this fear in them and they'd just run for their lives. And it would be natural for the Israelites to start thinking that, hey, we're pretty special. Maybe this training that we had, maybe this training that Joshua and the soldiers gave us, maybe we are superior than our enemies. Maybe we are pretty strong. Maybe we're pretty good. And Joshua wanted them to know just before he dies, he's been with them on this journey for a long time. He wants them to know that, no, it wasn't you. It wasn't your strength. It wasn't your bow and arrow, he says the Bible. It wasn't the sword. It was not your own sword or by your bow. I gave you the land on which you had not laboured and the cities that you had not built. And you dwelt in them. Joshua knew that once people took credit for their victories, they would soon turn away from the Lord altogether. And so just before he dies, he calls him up and he asks him to make a choice. You might know the story, how how it ends and how what unravels here in this in this chapter, but we're gonna get to it. Has God blessed you? Has God blessed me? Do we talk about it? We need to talk about it. We need to do with our families what Joshua was done with his people, Israel. It was a good thing to review the past and the past blessings and to make written records of God's faithfulness. See, he wrote it down for them. They have it written that they remember God's faithfulness. We need to remind our children, you know, I forget things pretty quickly. And I don't know about you. I don't know if it's something in, in my in my mind or I have too much information on useless information or what it is but I don't have a very good memory and I think that we need to write things down and we need to tell our children that we tell our children that we prayed remember when you were sick and we prayed for you and remember how miraculously you were healed before we even went to the hospital you were healed you remember when dad lost a job and we prayed or mum lost a job and we prayed. So we need to remind them of those things. So if God has blessed you, write it down or somehow remember it. Think often about it. Tell it to your children and tell your family and your friends. 
pass it along so that the next generation will know about it as well. And that they will, long after you and I are gone. Decision number two, teach my family to worship God. Now fear the Lord and serve him. Now fear the Lord. Joshua's saying in the first part, and I'll leave the whole verse there, but we're only talking off the first part. When we think about fear of the Lord, many people get the idea that it's trembling in terror. You know, Jesus said when the Son of Man comes, in Matthew chapter 24, I believe it is, he says when the Son of Man comes, people will be crying. And I think that some of them will be crying because they will, it will be the fear that they have on what they missed out because they know of what would happen if they accepted Christ. But I think they will be crying as well, full of joy, overjoyed. But the fear of the Lord means having such a deep respect for God that we want to please Him in all that we do. It doesn't mean to fear and to tremble and to just have this fear towards this God, but to have a love and a reference towards Him and a respect that we want to please Him in everything that we do. And I started by quoting that one of the most, the most important tasks of a parent is the salvation of their children. And when parents truly fear God, when they truly respect God, when they have a respect for God, their children will learn to fear God too. They will fear to have that respect towards God too. When parents love God, their children will learn to love God. When the parents listen to Christian music, their children will know the words. You know, it's a beautiful thing when we're in the car and we hear, you know, Charlie Auntie singing the words because they heard it on Christian radio many times, again, repetitive words, and they sing those words. I love it. And something for us all men, I think that in the, the past generation, probably more so than our generation, but men were used to going to work and saying that we're going to go and bring in the bacon and we're going to go and bring in the earn our dollars and we'll let the mothers take care of the children and we'll let the mothers teach the children. And we'll let the mothers pray with the children. But God intended that to be shared. He didn't intend it to be just a man's role, just a woman's role. We're to share that. God meant the spiritual leadership to be shared, a shared burden. And we need to learn that actions speak louder than words. Decision number three, become a student of obedience. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. The word serve, in these two verses, he appears six times in various forms. It appears six times. So obviously he wants people to, to willingly choose to serve the Lord. He obviously wanted them, before he died, that people learn to serve God and to always serve God and only God. He specifies what that means when he adds in all faithfulness in every area of our lives. You know, there's certain rooms in our lives. Our, imagine your life having lots of rooms and certain rooms are kind of hidden rooms and he wants every room in all, 
in all faithfulness. And I highlight it in blue there. It says, with all faithfulness, serve God. Serve him with all faithfulness. What would be your message to your children if it was the last message that you had for your children? Would it be something like this? What was so important to Joshua? It's the faithfulness of people. I, I, I had a bit of a think about what it means to, to serve other gods. And what did he mean? What, what were the people doing when they were saying they, they serve other gods? Do you think that they went to a, a church and they worshipped another god? I kind of don't think so. I think that they had some rituals and they had some ceremonies. So probably in today's way to relate it is some kind of parties. So we're going to parties thinking that they're not really doing anything wrong and they're worshipping these gods, but... You know, so they had the God of the sun and they would worship the sun and they would be grateful for the sun, the God of the sun, and all different types of God. I read a, a little story of a guy in prison um, just uh, recently and his testimony. And his testimony went along the side that the way that everyone in prison noticed him that he was a changed man is because before he was a changed man, he had all these books in there and they would be magazines like the Penthouse and the Playboy and Hot Rods and all these magazines about the cars and women. And he says, and then I became, when Jesus entered my life, all I wanted is the Bible and to read books that were enriching my life. And so it's almost like what I said before, the hidden rooms in our lives. You know, he got rid of all those hidden rooms in his life and they didn't exist anymore and he said and I praise God for saving my life by sending me to a place where he could slow me down and take me from Satan thank you Jesus he wrote decision number four remember your spiritual heritage In verse 15, he says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, what a way to put that, hey? And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, uh, there must have been some challenges there for him to write something like that. There must have been some people that saw it evil to worship the Lord. Why would he write it there? And if if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the regions beyond the river, the river Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. So Joshua offers them a series of choices. First he says, choose today whether you're going to serve the God of Israel. Are you going to serve the living God? Are you going to serve? choose if you're going to serve him? Then he tells them about the, the gods beyond the river, meaning the river Euphrates where Abraham comes from. And if you read the beginning of the whole chapter, you'll see that he starts talking about Abraham and where they went to Egypt. And he talks a lot about that. And then he summarizes everything and brings it all here. And then he talks about the gods of Egypt, meaning the gods of the sun and the rain and darkness. And then the god of the Amorites, which he puts here. That, that was a god of fertility and sexual pleasure. We can't force people to serve the Lord. 
or make their choice. We can't force them. Sometimes if we force or pressure people to make a choice, he will probably, their choice is still the same as it was before. And decision number five, choose daily to serve the Lord. And we come to that verse in chapter 15, and I'll put it there in red so we can all see it and we can remember it and we can memorise it. But as for me and my household, and I thought, why does it say household? Well, that's the NIV. In the King James, it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is one of the most famous statements in the Old Testament. It expresses the heart of a great spiritual leader at the end of his life. Does anyone know how old he was when he died? Someone take a guess. Sorry? You are correct. <laughs> yeah, 110. He was 110 years old and, um, and he comes to the end of his life and you'd think that he'd be a pretty wise man. He'd learnt a lot of things along the way. But he wants people to make a choice before he dies. I don't want to die without you knowing that you're going to make a choice and that you've making, been making choices. We make choices daily. Every day we make choices whom we're going to serve. But here he wants them to be conscious of the fact that you're making choices. See, people out there, people in the world, people someone shared last week, that they, they, they shared the gospel with someone and totally rejected it. And it happens a lot. But they, and they don't even realise that they're making choices. But Joshua wanted them to know clearly, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, they said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Make a choice. You need to know that it is a choice that you're making. We are to serve the Lord and to serve, we are to do everything in our power to see that our family follows our example. Serious godliness. First, each of us must personally decide to serve the Lord. I can't choose for you, you can't choose for me. We need a generation of Joshua's who will make the choices for themselves. Second, parents have a special obligation to set the right example in this area. And I've mentioned this many times before, that if a child sees his parent that is an alcoholic, he'll probably hate that his dad was an alcoholic and there's a nine chance out of ten that he'll become an alcoholic too. There's a very high chance, there's a very high percentage or a drug addict, or a, or a person that's a, a businessman, and then his son will follow in those steps. Or if a person loves God, his sons will love God. And fathers have the highest obligation. A lot of times people say to them when they see me, especially at funerals in the Altona church, or people who haven't seen me for a while, they say, I remind them of my dad. And I know his appearance a little bit, but I don't think I look exactly like Dad. But maybe it's, it's the way we are or something that reminds him about my dad. And I feel that as, a, as an honour because 
they usually would relate it to, a, to good things. So I feel, how special is that? And they say that an apple never falls far from a tree. Then I better make sure that the tree's healthy, hey, and keep fertilising that tree and making sure that it's a good tree if an apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I think it's not only a responsibility of fathers, but grandparents, even greater responsibility because we have more time. I'm being blessed by our leader Darius that's here listening. I asked Molly if I could hold him here while I preach. Um, (laughs) Maybe in a backpack someday. But it's an investment. It's heavily, it's a heavy investment that we that will invest in our grandchildren to influence them in the way to know God and to make right choices. And now to, to wrap it up, I'd like to talk a little bit about a time of choice. It's a time to choose, like I said. But I'm amazed how bold Joshua is, his boldness. First he makes this public statement. He says, but as for me, as for me, I don't care. I've been with you for 60 years. I've been leading you. And some of you are horrible, some of you are evil, some of you are okay. But as for me, I choose God, I choose the Lord. I'm prepared to be separated for you from now, for, for, for forever, for eternity. You all choose other gods, you go that way. I choose the Lord, I'll go this way. He's prepared to abandon them all. And I don't think that he said, I don't care what you do. He obviously cared because he was guiding him in this path. But he was willing to par with his own people over this fundamental issue. And sooner or later, we have to say similar things, whether it's our friends from school or our friends from work or our family or our friends. Yes, whatever it may be, you know, I will follow Christ and if you choose not to, well, we, we, this separates us. We'll stay friends and we'll be mates, but this thing is between us. Second is, this is a personal decision. To, to come to the end and to make this statement, you must choose to serve the Lord. It won't happen by accident. And it's not something that you can inherit from your parents. You have, you're given a heritage, but at some point you must make your own choice. And then I like his persuasive declaration. This may be the most amazing part of this whole chapter. Is here Joshua speaks, the God, the God-appointed leader of his family, and he claims the right to speak for his wife, for his children, for his grandchildren. He claims the right to speak for them all. And he puts them all into this bracket and he says, as for me and my household, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So I don't think that he, was, that he would be surprised that they're all on board. He knows they're all on board. He knows his family. He knows that they love God. He knows that they believe in the God that he's been serving all his life. He wouldn't make a statement like that. Can we all make a statement like that? This is more than a statement about forsaking other gods. That that is implied. It means that Joshua's family decided to worship the God of Israel. It doesn't say my house without me or me without my house. 
says, me and my house will serve the Lord. You know, and I don't think that we can guarantee that our children and our grandchildren will become and serve God and they'll make the right choices. And you see a, a lot of um, God-fearing families or Christian families that have raised their children and their children make decisions not to follow God. We can't guarantee that our children will. But we can provide an atmosphere of, of loving God, an atmosphere of serving God, an atmosphere of being genuine, an atmosphere of not being hypocritical because those words... Actions speak louder than words. And we need to, ought to know that. Is our mind made up? Are we ready to serve the Lord? Do we know where we stand before God? Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. You know, there's no neutral ground. There's no sitting on the fence. There's nothing in between that you can say, oh, I haven't chosen God, but I haven't chosen the other either. I'm in between decisions. There's no such thing. And, that, and he quite made it quite clear here that if you don't do anything about it, you're definitely not choosing to serve the Lord, the God. Make your choice. We have another slide there. Make your choice. Cast your vote. Choose your God. But as for me, and hope that everyone can join me in saying this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I want everyone in this room to be able to say that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because it is critical. It was something that Joshua wanted all the Israelites to be able to say that. And they chose to serve God. And there's still a nation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the life of Joshua. We thank you for raising a great leader like Joshua. We thank you that Joshua wanted to bless your people. We thank you that Joshua had a loving heart towards your people. And that he wanted to, them to come back to you, to make a choice. Lord, I pray that in this room there's not a single person that can't join those words, Lord, and say, as for me and my house, we decide, we have decided, we will serve the Lord no matter what. No matter easy times or hard times, we will serve the Lord. We'll worship you, Lord. We will honour you. Not only when things are good, and that's easy for us to do, but also when things are tough and when the enemy is whispering in our ears saying that you're not there, but we know in our hearts that you are there, Father. We know that you loved us so much that you're willing to give your life for us. We know that you cared for us, that you care for things, the other choices that we make daily. And Father, I pray for the week ahead of us, for the choices that we'll be making, that you may be always in the middle of our choices, Lord. That we may have you always in mind when we make decisions, Lord, one way or another that we think of you, Father. How this is going to honour you. How this decision is going to bless you. How this decision is going to bring honour and glory to your name. Father, we worship you and we thank you. We thank you for this place. 
And Lord, just like the Israelites, I pray for a new home. Lord, we pray for our new home. We pray that you may provide for us, Father, and that you may open doors that we may be able to have a place where we could get together Sundays and worship you, Lord. And we also pray for our new building, Lord. We commit it into your hands, trusting you, Father, that you are taking care of it all. We love you, God, and thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.